Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. Here we are. We're in week five of our six-week series on discipleship. And Follow Me is the name of the series. It's an invitation for us to receive the call that Jesus offers to us all, to be disciples, to be led into life, to learn, to grow, to understand who we are, who God is, what this world's all about, and what this world can be. And so we want to set our lives upon the kingdom of God in Jesus' name alone, that we can allow the Holy Spirit to continue to work in our lives in every step of the journey of faith, and not just for our lives, but that through us, the Spirit leads us into opportunities to call and extend the invitation to others. And so we've walked through Jesus' baptism. We dealt with the question concerning, can anything good come from us, come from this strange season that we've been submerged in for so long? We've gone through the calling of disciples into this entirely new life, and what it means. And last week, we focused on the authority of Jesus, how it confronts us, and how it changes our life and our world. And so now, we come to a focus on serving. And that's what this week's going to be about. A life of discipleship is a life of service, and also recognizing and appreciating service that we see and have experienced around us. As United Methodists, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. So it's all about disciple making and being made a disciple. Now a disciple, a disciple is a witness to Jesus Christ in our world. A disciple follows the teachings of Jesus and we're a witness and a follower in our acts of compassion, of justice, of worship, and devotion under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So that's the life we want to live, a life of action, of learning, of witnessing, all with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We're remembering the calling that we've all been offered. And for those of us who have said yes to that calling, we're remembering what that calling is so that we can continue to grow into it more and more in our life. That we want to make disciples as we are made disciples. And this calling, this calling, it has a purpose. No matter what your life is about, where you are in life. It doesn't matter where you call home. It doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter who you work with. Uh, it doesn't matter. You have a vocation as a disciple anywhere you are with everyone that's around you in any place and time. We can come to a life of discipleship in every moment. And that's what's amazing. And that's what's good for us to remember that it doesn't look like a particular way. It looks like your way reimagined. And that's what the Holy Spirit teaches us and helps us to understand and grow into. There was a story that came out about a week ago about a man named Greg Moses. If you haven't heard this name, Greg Moses was, is a security guard at the BMV up on the north side of Indianapolis. 
Now, Greg Moses was doing his job. He was there and he saw a man come into the BMV and, and don't exactly know what the man was there to do, but something about the way that man's uh, reaction was and, and the interaction was, Greg Moses got it in his mind that, you know, this guy needs some help. Maybe it was the way he dressed. I don't know. But he said, this guy needs some help. And he does what he usually does. He has helped people pay who have been short money before. He's offered people free lunch, which is exactly what he did with this gentleman. He said, hey, man, he gave him cash. And he said, hey, I, I want to buy your lunch today. So I just, just want to buy your lunch. So allow me to do that, please. So the man accepted that. And the man went to lunch. He went to a local Cracker Barrel. Now, what you should know about this man is his name is Darius Leonard. He is a linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts. He is one of the most highly regarded players in the league. And so Darius, in response, enjoying this lunch, but also just really touched by this guy, decided he was going to pay for everyone's meal at the Cracker Barrel, and that's exactly what he did. In response to this wonderful gift, he paid it forward, and, and then ESPN spent some time over the week talking to them and, and actually had them connect. The guy didn't know who he was until later when things started to go viral. And I got to watch them interact and just share how much they appreciate paying things forward to, to serve others, just to brighten someone's day, a small act that has a big and lasting impact. Now, what led Mr. Moses to do what he did that day? He, only he could answer that. What led Mr. Leonard to continue that tradition on, you'd have to ask them, but I've got to think that they understand what it is to be in a life of discipleship. That it's not just about what we receive, it's about what we can give, how we can respond to the gifts that we are given. Now, last week we began a scene in a synagogue in the Gospel of Mark. It was a witness of Jesus' authority and as he taught about the kingdom, and we continue the scene, but we move to the next part, out of the synagogue and into a more personal or communal setting, a home, which is more communal than our homes today. But the work of the kingdom works in different ways, but in all places, it touches everyone everywhere. And that's what we're going to focus on as we enter into Mark chapter 1 verses 29 through 39. After leaving the synagogue, Jesus, James, and John went home with Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed, sick with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. He went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she served them. That evening at sunset, people brought to Jesus those who were sick or demon-possessed. The whole town gathered near the door. He healed many who were sick with all kinds of diseases, and he threw out many demons. But he didn't let the demons speak because they recognized him. Early in the morning, well before sunrise, Jesus rose and went to a deserted place where he could be alone in prayer. Simon and those with him tracked him down. When they found him, they told him, Everyone's looking for you. He replied, Let's head in the other direction to the nearby villages so that I can preach there too. That's why I've come. He traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and throwing out demons. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
So after the scene in the synagogue, the four disciples go with Jesus to Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Now I've stood at this house. It's quite remarkable. You can visit it today. They go into the house probably to eat. It's the Sabbath. They've gone to synagogue, but part of the ritual for the day would be to go and sit around the table, and there was more ritual with the food to participate in the telling of their story as the Jewish people. So everyone is going to be sitting around the table ready to partake in the ritual of the day, everyone except Peter's mother-in-law. She cannot participate in the ritual. She cannot live into the honor of their day to offer service by hosting guests. It was part of their culture. It was a great honor to host guests. You were expected if you saw someone out in the town square and they didn't have a place to stay, it was a joy and an honor and kind of an obligation to take that person in and treat them as well as you could no matter who they were. And we find that kind of desire and part of their culture throughout scripture. Lots of stories of people going out and finding someone and and sometimes it's followed by acts of uh, inhospitable uh, response to the neighbors. But all that aside, she would certainly want to bring these guests to the table to serve them and to live into the honor. I mean, what a joy it would be for her to not only welcome Peter's friends, but a holy man I mean, how many times has she had that opportunity? I mean, just, just the day before, right? Not too long before, Peter was a fisherman. Nothing wrong with fishermen, but I don't know how many holy people were going to be joining Peter for dinner prior to this night. So here she is. And insult to injury, not only is she sick, but here's this holy man come and she can't serve him. She can't honor him and also live into honor and be the gracious host. And it's Sabbath on top of it. So Peter didn't ask Jesus to heal her. They just told him about her. Maybe it was to say, hey, this is why she's not hosting you. That would have kind of been in the back of the mind of the culture. You would expect that the host would be there, the owner of the house. She's the leader of the household. She's the manager of the household. She's in charge. She's not there. Peter, hey, she's sick. That's why. There's no request to do anything about it either. He just tells Jesus, she's she's sick, she's got a fever. So I wonder what they thought when Jesus started heading into the home back to where she was. They're probably thinking, "Uh, what's he doing? (laughs) He can't go in there, she's a woman, he's a man, he's going into where her bed is. He can't be around her, she's sick. These are the kinds of things that would have been jumping to their minds and their culture. But if the prior scene in the synagogue didn't make it clear, it should be known that all the ways of life as we know it is under threat by the kingdom of God. There are, there are very few things that can limit the movement and the work of Jesus and the work of the kingdom of God. And so we start to get a taste for the rituals being challenged here. Except As before, it was the authority comes in a very stern command for that demon to leave and Jesus' authority to amaze and shock people. This time, this time, the work of the kingdom comes in a soft touch of the hand. He takes her by the hand and she raises up. Those are not insignificant words. She stands. She is made well, so well, in fact, that she is whole and can now live into the very work and service that she would have wanted to. 
Then there's no prayer when he takes her by the hand. There's no confession. There's no statement of faith. There's none of that. Jesus sees the need and he makes her well. The need is that she's sick, but also she would heavily desire to be a host for the guests. And so that's what she does. She stands up and she serves them. Not him, she serves them. Because that would have been her honor and joy to do. Jesus restores her and she immediately responds by living into the purpose that that restoration allowed for her. She didn't serve out of any sort of feeling of being indebted to Jesus. She would have wanted to serve and just respond accordingly. So her response is to live into the opportunity she's been given to honor to serve. What a model of faith. You know, we are all Peter's mother-in-law in a way. We've all been given this tremendous gift of life itself. Just to be here is a miracle, to breathe. We've all been blessed with this particular day. We woke up we get to experience the weather outside and the joy of all the opportunity this day brings. We've been graced with this incredible opportunity for a life of faith. And that is a miracle. So how have we responded to this miracle? To our being raised up and healed? How have we purposed our lives? To serve others? To honor others? That's a a question for us. This is one of my favorite times of year because we just had Groundhog Day and one of my favorite movies is Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. And it's such a, a good evidence of what I'm talking about, a good metaphor, an image, because in the movie, in the movie he, he's just lived this droll life that's all about him. It's all about getting ahead and it's all about what everyone needs to do for him and he's not very kind and he's definitely not very grateful. But then he's forced to relive Groundhog Day over and over. And it seems to go on for hundreds of years, according to some of the theories out there. He wasn't given any extra bit of struggle except to live in his reality fully and without escape. And so it plays on the idea of we're going to see the shadow or not see the shadow. Is, is it only six more weeks until spring, or is it six more weeks of winter? We have a choice on how we respond, and he had a choice. And finally, he started repurposing this endless cycle of days. He stopped dreading and seeing everything wrong, and he started looking for every opportunity to live into it and to be right. And everything changed. He repurposed the life that already existed. It didn't change anything in the setting, but it changed how he lived it. And that's what we find Peter's mother-in-law, and I, I appreciate you indulging me to talk about that movie because I've watched it and it's so good. But, but uh, this sermon is not about adding another item to your agenda when it comes to service. It's not about calling you to extend yourself even more in some new way beyond your schedule that already exists in an endless quest to somehow earn the grace of God. That's not what a life of discipleship is about. Rather, it's to live the life we already have in a new way. 
Now, for some people, it means leaving that life and taking on something entirely different, going overseas and being a missionary or getting involved with a nonprofit or, or leaving a job or a, leaving a situation that really asks you to do things you can no longer do. But for the most part, for the most normal, everyday person, even a weatherman, even a security guard or a linebacker, this life invites us to live it a new way. Peter's mother-in-law didn't stand up and serve in some sort of new way that she'd never done before. She did what she already would have been doing if she'd been well in the first place. And we're all in need of healing in many, many ways. We've all received healing in many ways. We are all well in, in, in ways that if we just stop and retell and remember, we find that that gratitude starts to arise within us. And we realize that we're still living a life of discipleship that, that continues us in this receiving healing and acknowledging how we've already been healed. We're being confronted with Jesus' authority like in the synagogue, but we're also invited to receive the gentle touch of his healing as well. We could make a long list of ways to beat ourselves up. And others too, right? I mean, we could, we could make a long list of the things we've done wrong as well. But what does that do? There's a lot of effort in this world to list everything that everyone's done wrong. And it happens a lot, unfortunately, in churches. To point fingers at all the things that are going on that are wrong. What does that accomplish? I don't think it brings anyone life. I don't think it brings anyone healing. We turn to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't make lists. Rather, Jesus touches us with healing and restores our hearts and minds that we can respond in gratitude and live into a life repurposed. Not dwelling in the past and dwelling on wrongs, but instead focused on the opportunity in front of us, focused on all we have received and all it is that we have to live into and give right in the lives we're already living. Now, if you're a security officer at the BMV, then go and live that life in service. If you're an NFL linebacker, go and live that life in service. If you're a teacher, serve your students, and many of you do. If you're a student, serve your teachers. If you're retired, then serve your neighbors with connection, with love, with prayer, and with blessing, as some of you do. If you're in retail, then serve your patrons and coworkers. Identify where you can brighten their day with a seemingly small gesture. Or if you're on the other side of the retail, if you're the buyer, Give a word of kindness, give a blessing to the person that is serving you. Respond. If you're a farmer, serve the land and the animals well. If you own a company, serve your employees by providing for them a place to work like, like no other place they've ever worked, where they are appreciated, where they are uplifted, where they are empowered. If you're a family member, then serve your loved ones by calling them and telling them what you appreciate about them. Tell them the story of the time that they did something for you that, that had dividends well beyond the act. Tell them about it. Just encourage them. 
and be grateful. If you're a church member, serve your church family well. Reach out to people this week. Call someone you haven't been calling and ask them, how can I pray for you? And ask them, really, how can I pray for you? What are the joys you've been experiencing that I can celebrate along with you? What are the burdens you've been carrying that I can walk with you while you carry them and maybe share the load? All good things. Now, the rest of today's passage is focused on the immense response around the world of Jesus. They're coming to the door of the house, a little different than our houses, but the whole community, everyone's coming and bringing all the sick people because they want to receive this new power and authority that's among them, the healing touch that's present with them. That's what they have come for. Jesus came to witness to the good news of the kingdom of God. He had a specific purpose. He had to leave the area and move on, even though there was more work to do in the realm of healing, touching, of making people whole. Jesus spent time in prayer off by himself early in the morning, discerning. And when they found him and said, hey, there's all sorts of people, they're back, they're ready, where are you? He said, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. And that discerning, we have that work to do too. We can give ourselves in service, and we should. But we also have a higher purpose. As disciples, we make disciples. Not just to start serving each other endlessly, but serving each other you know, is wonderful and great, but we're called to go beyond the serving of others and go out and make more disciples. So even Jesus leaves the 99 to go find the one, right? And so we have the church group and we want to serve each other, yes. But we serve each other to the point where we can now kind of take care of ourselves and, and as a body do what we need to do so that we can free ourselves up to go and invite more people into the body. And we're so ready to come to, together and, and, and serve each other in the church, to love each other, to hug each other, to share with each other, to sing together. And I can't wait to do that. But there's a wide world beyond our walls that is in need of the authority and the healing touch of Jesus. The bold Authority and announcement of the kingdom and the gentle, restoring touch. Jesus calls us to go. Calls his disciples to bring that healing touch to them, to touch their lives and be, to be part of the restoration that God brings into their life. We're called to go as well. While this calling sometimes involves a cross, going out and identifying the needs and standing with others, it does. It always involves new life as well. So let us receive the restoring touch of Jesus Christ so that we can rise up and get back to our calling, that we can repurpose our lives as they are in a new way. Let us receive that calling. Let us be the presence of both authority and gentle touch to those that are already around us, those who are in need. Let us know how to extend the invitation to help people become a part of the church along with us and then go and find the next people. Spend time in prayer to discern when it is time to invite, when it is time to serve, 
and when it is time to go back out and invite again. Discern when it's time to invest time and energy into someone's life and when it's time to entrust them to the Holy Spirit at work through the church, to themselves, so that you can go and find others who have yet to receive the touch and call. What a gift we have received, church, to be a part of this work, to be a part of the work in this community. What a gift that we have, this calling. So let's receive it, let's claim it, let's get up and let's go serve in our lives in a new way repurposed and reimagined and restored in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us. And it is our hope that through the Holy Spirit, you have felt the touch of God upon your life. If you would like to know more about our church and its ministries, please visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.